Here we are with a special guest this week, Carl. Yay. It's going to be a fun one, all the way from L.A. Actually, it's very interesting. I know our guest, but we don't know each other. It's, it's so weird. Hi, Kyle. Hello. Hi, Kyle Everskirt is here. Coming up, we're going to talk to our guest, Kyle. And then around minute seven, we're going to talk about Judy, the new film. Then around minute 25, we'll talk about Making Coco, the Grant Fuhrer story. DVDs around minute 38 and Emmy talk around minute 51. Tell us about yourself, Kyle. Oh, wow. That's uh, putting yeah. me on the spot right yeah. out of the gate. But um, yeah, good, uh, good friends with Lynn and her family and and Tim and excited to be here in St. Louis for the weekend. Um, and, You're making and a movie with Charlie, paying homage to our our boy Tim. Uh, to be quite honest, I wish I wasn't here. I think we can all say that. And mm-hmm. as I reach across and hold Lynn's hand, it's going to be a fun weekend. But in uh, paying homage to Tim, uh, Lynn's son, who we lost back in December, but uh, in town to produce and, and film uh, Tim's last his last body of work his last uh script that he wrote daddy dog and uh i will say this um charlie and i got off the phone about 30 minutes ago and he said i said charlie i'll do whatever you need let me help and he said yeah oh um we need two goldfish so uh we could wrap this little (laughs) podcast thing up i gotta find a pet store here in st louis at some point i i will tell you um Depending on where you're staying, I will tell you where the closest one is. Right, uh, actually, you know what? There is one on Hampton and Chippewa. Okay. Hampton and Chippewa, there is a pet store. Oh, well, hey, it's not too far from where we have to be tonight. We're doing most of the shooting in South City. Tim had said it in Chicago because he was going to school there for his MFA in screenwriting. But his we put what? it here. Say, say that slower. His MFA uh-huh. in screenwriting. Yeah, yeah, you, you, when you, say, DePaul, that quick, when you yeah. say that fast, it sounds like you're saying I know. something else. At DePaul University. And it was his uh, his final project for his screenwriting class. And the, the table read, it brought down the class. The professor said it was the best one. Tim got an A. And so when we went to clean out his stuff in January we told the professors we were going to do it and they encouraged us to do it so here we are how many months later and we have St. Louis actors and we have friends and family and Kyle used to live here in St. Louis in Lafayette Square and work for the Rams yes Kyle and I worked together at the Rams except I was upstairs and he was everywhere else that's right uh, roaming around so that's right i totally yeah. forgot to have a bucket i worked i worked for the rams for 11 years yeah we, we were both i said you did and we were yeah but stories. i was there i was i was there just on game days but i got there for the noon games i got there at seven o'clock in the morning and it was a full nine hour day oh yeah i was outside at about the same time setting up tailgates right. and and everything else so but, uh, small world. Yeah, and Kyle was one of the people that went to L.A. when they moved. Yeah, but he's he's no longer with the team. But you are you're a consultant still. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm close to the team. I am working for a company that uh, actually is one exit down on the 101 <laughs> freeway. Yeah, so and, that's uh, still an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, depending. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, being in St. Louis, the traffic here is uh, it, no excuses, right? Is it like the Californians? Yeah. It, uh, maybe right on pull, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But, now, do uh, they do they have the bird and lime scooters out there too, so people can zip around faster than uh, taking the freeway? Yes, they do, but that's uh, touristy. It's very spread out. You okay, know? it's it's. Um, it, I wouldn't recommend that, depending on where you're at. <laughs> if you're in downtown LA, absolutely, but no. some of the uh, extended areas, uh, you don't see those a whole lot. No, no. Fun fact: Kyle lives a mile from my sister. They didn't even know it either. Yeah, mind-boggling. There are a lot of people in Los Angeles. Yes, and then when you say, um, you know, actually it was at a bar the, the during Tim's memorial. We were sitting there, and I get talking to this nice-looking gentleman in a black suit, and mm-hmm. we're hitting it off and chatting. I said, where do you live? He said, California. Hey, I Where at? Know. He said, Woodland Hills. Or he said, Los Angeles. Woodland Hills. I'm like, we live in Woodland Hills. And then uh, we had the Google Maps out about five minutes later, and it turns out we're one point <laughs> four miles and well, 40 uh, minutes from each other. But Yeah, but yeah. so do you really know your neighbors, though, in, no. in your subdivision? No. No, you don't know your neighbors. And no. so you wouldn't know somebody a mile away from you. No, absolutely not. <laughs> so we're going to get some Hollywood insider stuff from Kyle later. What was the last movie you saw? In a theater. 
Oh gosh, put me on. Or is it? Or is it on Netflix? Um, Something new on Netflix. I did watch just two nights ago. Between the two ferns. Yes. Between the ferns, the movie. Between two ferns, the movie. And I saw. We reviewed that last week, and I said, if you are not a fan of the show, uh, they give you enough of the show that you can get it. But if you don't like that humor, you will know in the first five minutes whether you're going to like the movie or not. Without a doubt. And I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was So you were a fan of the series already. I was a fan of the series, and I thought the movie was fantastic. And they've created a story out of nothing. Yeah, and especially when you have David Letterman in there Mm -hmm. and anything with David in there is good by me. You look like a dirty Santa. (laughs) (laughs) Want to buy a monkey? (laughs) That's Cabin Boy. I know. All right. Okay, so this week we only have one new release. No, there are two releases this week. Okay. There are two releases this week. Well, first first you have the local angle. Well, there are three releases. First, none of us saw Abominable. But our buddy Max Foisey saw it, right. and he said it was fine. He won because Cartoon. Dragon is so good, and the How to Train Your Dragon series is so good. You say, "Oh, it's from the and it does look like it would be in that world," but it, it's not. And he says it's fine. It's not horrible because there are a lot of horrible children's movies, but the. the it's okay. And then the lo- do you want to do local or you want to do national? What do we want to do? Let's do national first, and then we'll do local. Because okay. I haven't seen it yet. You have, but I've... the big premiere's coming up. All right. Let's talk about Judy, starring Renee Zellweger, who looks exactly like Judy Garland. We have two different opinions here well, about the film. Now, last night, I was with Ben Mankiewicz and Maureen O'Hara. Um, yes, Maureen O'Hara, because they did the TCM backlot did Meet Me in St. Louis, in St. Louis at the Tivoli last night. And Maureen O'Hara had wonderful stories about Judy Garland. You didn't know about that. I told you about that two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, Margaret O'Brien, right? Margaret O'Brien. What did I say? Maureen O'Hara, oh. who's deceased. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, wow. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I was like... Margaret O'Brien, who Tootie. played Tootie. In the, yeah. And Ben Mankiewicz. So let's just drop... Let's just name drop. Yes. There was a guy at my brother's wake that looked exactly like Ben Mankiewicz. Ben Mankiewicz. And I said to him, he looks like Ben Mankiewicz. Well, let's see. Ben Mankiewicz's father won, or uncle won an Oscar for screenwriting, and his grandfather won an Oscar for uh, writing Citizen Kane. So pretty, pretty he- he's got heavy duty. I did hang out with him when he was here with Tippy Hedren yes, for the for birds. The birds. Yeah. And we talked about that. Yeah. I, I interviewed him for a little bit. You'll be hearing that in a week or two on Max on movies. Oh, awesome. And I, I will tune in. It, it is. It is a we talked to them for about 20 minutes and it was good. And she had some Judy Garland stories to tell because both uh, Margaret and Judy won the miniature juvenile Oscar. That's right, and Judy, then Judy did marry the director. Yes, and that that happened after because she was twenty at the time, and she was also I think was she married to somebody else first. Yeah, she had David Rose. That, Vince, that, Vincent Minnelli was her uh, Vincent. He was her second husband. Right, David Rose was five. her first. Remember the stripper, David Rose? That's that uh, theme song. Yeah, yeah. That was the, oh, yeah, the Noxzema commercial. Yes. Yeah. Stripper, I was uh, uh, <laughs> zoned out there for a minute, but what are we talking about? So. Kyle, Judy Garland. You are, you you are of an age that uh, uh, Wizard of Oz wasn't special because when we were kids, or when I was a kid, it was when you were kids. You 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 didn't see it as a you saw it as a kid probably in the theaters though. No 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 no. It was it wasn't a, a thing of coming back. It was on Sunday night CBS at six o'clock. Once a year, right, right, Easter. And, oh, and it was we a were, holiday. No, we were over it. No, because no, it was like a. It was another time. We were at my grandmother's on having TV dinners oh, yeah. on a TV tray, Salisbury steak, and yeah. watching Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, and we just had black and white TVs back then. We didn't have a color, so, so we didn't, didn't know. know. About the color change, and my mother told us because she had seen the original, uh-huh. and she said, "Yeah, it turns color." So when we got a color TV, we were all excited, and then it's on all the time. And then now you can have a you. We had the VHS with the kids were little, uh-huh. and then the DVD. And but this takes place in the last year of Judy's life. Yeah, and it's not pretty. It's just really a sad tale how Hollywood shoot her up and spit her out. I am older than. 
I outlived Judy Garland because she died at 47. And she looked 77. She did. They gave her pills to go to bed. This the person that makes this movie look the worst is Louis B. Mayer. Villain. Yes. Villain. And you see that at the very beginning of the film, and because they keep doing flashbacks to her as a kid, and as a child, she's played by young Darcy Darcy Shaw, Shaw. who's very good. She's very good, and she doesn't look like Renee Zellweger. No, she doesn't really look like Judy Garland. She has a she has an innocence about her and a tremulous. You know, because the thing about Judy was she wore her heart on her sleeve. She was pretty, and she was naive. Yeah, you can't take your eyes off when you see one of her earlier movies. You can't take your eyes off her, and she started when she was two years old in Mm -hmm. vaudeville. Her name was Frances Gum. She had awful parents right in minnesota uh, her her father well as louis b mayer says your mo- father was a homosexual and your your mom's a whore <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah that, but the, the rumor was the reason they had to leave vaudeville was because uh mr gum was hitting on some of the uh ushers at oh. the theaters and so that's yeah. why they well, used it, you don't know that that's no good. It's hearsay. But they used Judy as their cash cow. Right. As their, you know. Well, it was, and it was, it was the just... Gum Sisters first. It was a, two, it was a sister's act. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Judy basically was sold to MGM. <laughs> and then, yeah, they gave her barbiturates to sleep, and they gave her uppers to work all day. Every day. Something to wake up and something to go down, and she didn't have a childhood. And that's what uh, Margaret O'Brien kept talking about. Thanks to Judy, her and, and this was only 10, 15 years later, the rules had changed because she they wanted to make sure that they weren't treating these kids like that anymore. And it was and I because we had to watch well, we didn't have to. We after the meet and greets and the interviews and all that stuff, they showed Meet Me in St. Louis in St. Louis. And Judy Garland's hair in that movie is horrible. It looks it's 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 curly and weird in a wrong way. I mean, I'm sure that was the style in 2000 or in It is terrible. Yeah, it is. It's very. She's terrible. such a pretty girl in that movie. She is. But this is the last year of Judy Garland's life, and and she's not. It is not. She's pretty. not well. It's very downward spiral. She not only is dependent on drugs. And she's inebriated a lot of the time, but she also is has emotional meltdowns. She's and, trying to be a mom. She and, has two young children, and she's really just the luffs. Um, unreliable, and uh, yeah. So she's had Liza. Liza's in it briefly, but that's at the party where she Ugh. marries, meets her young future husband, Mickey Deans, who was thirteen years younger than she was. And, yeah, but still, that's thir- <laughs> she's thirty-five. Yeah. He's 34 or 35 in that. So Yeah. And she's But he was just, a nightclub owner. Right. And uh in New York. Uh the play, the source on which this is based, this is why I'm tainted. You're because right. I loved the play so much when Max and Louis Productions did it and this Chicago actress named Angela Ingersoll who has been on PBS yes, playing she, Judy. Yes, she does Judy as uh, she does Judy Garland she was nominated for an Emmy for that. Right, in concert. And she also uh, is in, she goes around the country doing Judy Garland concerts. She does it here at the Westport. Right. And she is so fantastic. She has got the voice. To me, there's, nobody can really duplicate Judy Garland's voice, but she comes she the can. closest. She, and the, the name of the play is End of the Rainbow. Right. And Renelle, this is my problem with Renee Zellweger. She's doing all of her own singing. Yes, which I think was a mistake. I thought she was great as, as as Judy. She wasn't trying to be Julie Garden Garland. She was in by in placing herself in this character. And I thought she did a she's doing all of her own songs. That's amazing. She's pretty fierce in the movie. I will give her that. I just thought she preened too much a little bit. She was getting a little distracting to me, but I get it. But she did lose weight to look emaciated and she did carry off the torturous mm-hmm. soul that Judy had become. And that is just that so there's a lot of talk about her getting an oscar nomination definitely i think a lot of people are in that camp and we gotta see what the well what the other people are doing but my problem with the movie is the adaptation i think the of the play the screenwriter yeah the screenwriter and the director i think were in over their heads they fall into those biopic cliches uh uh, one of our friends pete says that uh, he thinks it is the same movie as Florence Foster Jenkins. He thinks that's the same ending, and I I disagree. I watching the movie, I said to myself, "This is the fav- my favorite movie of the year," and that happens 
several times. Once a year, it pops into my head. This is my favorite movie of the year. It happened during August Osage County. I said, I said, this is my favorite movie of the year. And when I was watching the Tom Hanks documentary, it popped in my head. This is my favorite movie of the year. And it popped into my head while I was watching this movie. And then you told me it didn't happen that way. And so uh, this is how I felt about Bohemian Rhapsody. At the time, you leave Bohemian Rhapsody thinking, hey, that was great. And then you go, wait a minute. But this, but I've not had a movie that says, I love this movie. This is my favorite movie of the year. And then have real life ruin it. Because she didn't, they have, they have this whirlwind romance. romance. They, didn't, they didn't get married. They were only married for like a month or two. They were already married when she comes to England. Right. But that's not until the end of the year. The, the, the timeline in this is all screwed up because yeah. she says she's going away for she's going to miss the left kids she's going to miss Lorna and Joey for Christmas but she didn't go over there until later she was at you were thinking the Hippodrome that's yeah. the, the place it's the same the yeah. talk of the town is the same building it just had different names okay so that that place was right okay but it's not it's just they do it differently they don't by the time the movie is taking place they're not married yet. So it actually takes place later, and like she died on the toilet. They don't like everyone thinks that's an Elvis story. No, that's a that's a Judy Garland story. Yeah, but it's all it's a they in London. Correct, yes. Right? Yeah. Well, also he was protect. You see, people think he was just a gold digger, but she had no money. She didn't. He have was to trying say. to help her make money, but also sh- he was really keeping her on a tight leash in terms of sobriety. Right. And this movie doesn't ever show that. And they don't show that she had tax problems, too. Yeah. That's where all her money went. Any money she made was uh, garnished by the government. That's why she was over in London, because they couldn't get her money over there. And Frank Sinatra paid for her funeral, because they had a long affair back in the the day. Well, also, her will, they couldn't... (laughs) This has nothing to do with the film, but her will, she made all these uh, uh, gracious endowments and like i want this much money i want to give this money she didn't have it yeah and so it was very tragic yeah so it just takes liberties with her real story so and this may be you know again you you two have forgotten more about movies than i'll ever know (laughs) um but it's a great performance that process in which i'm always curious about the process in which why would they change the together and you brought up bohemian rhapsody and which i hated I sit there and I watch it. I I, I thought it was fantastic. Now, I'm yeah, not, yes, but I don't watch. I liked it more than her. It, 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 yeah. it is a wonderful performance, but it is not the truth. It's, it's not. And, and that's if that's why you don't like it. I totally respect and understand that. Mm-hmm. I, where I, I guess the question I have is, in the pro, I'm, I, I, maybe it's not a question that we can answer right now. But I just I'm fascinated by. Why would you change the facts? And there's got to be politics, families, uh, estates. Legalities, production. That could be too. But see, the the Luft story was made into the Judy Davis ABC miniseries. Right, that was me and my shadows, and that was fantastic. It was four hours. But that, but that was that was Lorna Luft story. Right, and that was based on that book. This this is is based. Isn't this based on Mickey's? No, this is a play by Peter Quilter. Okay, I don't know where his source material was, but it could have been Mickey Dean's story because obviously he. Lived a lot uh, Mickey longer. Mickey Dean is played in the film by Finn Whitrock. He's good in this part. He does what he can but, only, you know, he's a good actor. But they, they, I will say there are a lot of cliches that, he, oh, I love you, I hate you, and let's have a fight. And then I don't think that ever happened. It's, no. It's false drama. Yeah, it just, it, they created these conflicts. And then the assistant is played by rising star Jesse Buckley, who, who you, you know. Love, you love in from Wild Rose. Wild Rose. And, and the, she was on Chern- Chernobyl. And she was in the movie The Beast, which, I mean, just Beast, which everybody should check out. It's really great. Um, and Rufus uh, Swivel plays Sid Luft. Plays Sid Luft. And with, with this bald, well, not bald wig, but the opposite of a bald cap. And he looks... Awful. And Michael Gambon, you have Dumbledore as as the owner of the club, uh, Bernard Delfont. He owned the club where she – and I related it to a George Jones because you know what everyone said about George Jones? He, they called him No-Show Jones and because you didn't know if he was going to show up for once and you didn't know if he was going to put on a good show or if it's going to be the best show of his, of, of his career. And so that was George Jones. That's how – Judy Garland was when she was over in London. You didn't know how long of a show you were going to get. You didn't know if she was going to show up. 
But as the film shows, some of the shows that she did were amazing, but you never knew which Judy you were going to get that night. And I think the film does show that part of her sad story. Mm-hmm. And, and they they never really say it's taking place in 1968, but they never say what year it is. You know, it's the 60s, but it seems they don't they don't want to get too specific because they're actually talking in generalities a right. lot. And they make up this scene, which is a nice heartfelt scene with these two gay friends of Dorothy. That's the gay icon, right. Judy Garland. All her fans were called friends of Dorothy. No, no, gays were called friends of Dorothy for a while. Yeah. And then so you so they uh, meet her after the show. And they've been coming to the show, and then they go try to find dinner, and then they cook dinner for her at, her, at their apartment. It's but a they lovely don't know how to scene. Cook. Yeah, it's a <laughs> it, lovely it's, it's scene. It's great. I loved it. I loved that part of the film. I'm I'm sure that never happened. It never happened. It's fictional. They made it up, and it just you know there I, are I guess so many su- things that she actually did while she was over that they could have made a movie. Right. It's the journalist in me about facts, you know. <laughs> I just get crazy when they just start going off. It's one thing to have a couple nice little things, but it's one thing to just kind of flip it and you don't so know what's this, what. Since you were around at that time, and I was not even I I wasn't born, but I knew. About, I grew up loving Judy Garland my entire life because she was the, the she was Dorothy. Dorothy. And but the, you think of her in her mind as me as a child growing up in the seventies, she's fourteen year old Dorothy Gale, even though she's like supposed to be twelve or ten in the movie. Yeah. But they strapped her down. And yeah, then, uh, they strapped her. Uh, and so, and so that's in my mind. But you, growing up. In the '60s, you knew this Judy Garland right. because she was on TV all the time. Right, she had a she had a variety show. Yeah. Several, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Liza, uh, my one well, friend said Liza needs to be crazier in this movie. Yeah, Liza, but Liza wasn't as Liza eccentric. Was a party, party girl. There. Yeah, she wasn't eccentric because you know she had been married to Peter Allen. Mm-hmm. which is the boy from Oz, Oz, that part. But Judy, actually, this year we've had a lot of Judys because Judy's in the play Boy from Oz, which was yes. at Stages, and that Judy was fabulous. The best thing about Judy is it shows that when she is on, she when is she, on. it's like a fl- a switch has been flipped. She gets on that stage, she holds that microphone, and it's electric. And she has got that sheer magnetic entertainment thing and it's just kind of sad when it's her voice wasn't what it was to to be fair mm-hmm. and and all that but i guarantee but, you when when you hear somewhere over the rainbow no matter when and they or save when, it to the very end yeah which oh, wow. yeah Great song. well everybody loves that song it makes you tear up or cry mm-hmm. or emotional no matter what but she's the best at it mm-hmm. let's face it so and it's directed by uh rupert gould who is a pl- play theater director yeah shakespeare yes he's, he's been lauded for shakespeare he directed he, that he movie Olivia award yeah he he was a he directed true story yes with jonah hill and james franco and uh, a lot of shakespeare yeah adaptations but yeah the 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 guy who adapted it doesn't have um i'm just not confident in these people that did it i just don't think i think they just but did see, a disservice as what i was trying to say when i was talking about our ages and the thing what i felt about bohemian rhapsody is how you feel about judy because right. while watching it you knew that that it was off right. and while i was watching bohemian rhapsody i knew it was wrong and so I understand how people, when they watch Bohemian Rhapsody, loved it, and then it's my job to tell them that it wasn't right, and it was your job to tell me that it wasn't right, and so it doesn't. It will still probably be in my top ten, but it will not be my favorite movie of the year anymore well, because it let me down. Yeah, well, she probably will get Oscar. I mean, she's not been. Renee Zellweger has kind of been on hiatus mm-hmm. uh, of herself. You know, she did it herself or whatever, and she is an Oscar winner, and she did sing in Chicago. So she's getting back, and she's on a publicity tour. There are reasons to see this movie. Yeah, so I, I give it, I give it that. So let's talk about the. Let's talk um, about the hockey movie. Yeah, Grant Fuhr. Grant Fuhr, making Coco. So Grant Fuhr was a goalie for your St. Louis Blues, but he was also a five-time Stanley Cup winner. In the Edmonton Oilers dynasty, where they they won five times in a row, they had Wayne Gretzky, they had Paul Coffey, they had uh, Mark Messier. They were clo- coached by Glenn Sather. 
they were if you when you think about the greatest teams in hockey, the Edmonton Oilers of that era, they are always in the top contention. He play, and he also uh, has records for most games played in a season. Because he played like seventy nine out of eighty two games. Yeah, that was when he was with the Blues. That was when though. he was with the Blues. Yeah, so he was signed at nineteen. He was signed at 19 with Edmonton, and then he came to the Blues in his 30s. Right. But he was still – and I, I, when I heard the name of this movie, I'm like, Making Coco? I never heard him called Coco. And then in the movie, you find out why they don't call him Coco anymore. They call – first of all, he's black. And first so, black superstar in and NFL. He was, and yeah. he said it was easier to do that because even though he was, he was on the ice, he was wearing a mask. And so, oh, I love Grand Fear. Oh, he's black? Okay, big deal. Right. So, but he, but that that it was easier. He said it was easier for him to be a black player in Canada, wearing a mask because no one really. And he's 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 adopted. He's a light skinned black man. And he had the mustache. He didn't look like a, a a black athlete. He just looked like a guy. And he said it was difficult for him. But they don't. They he he talks about the racism a little bit. But it was the greatest cure for that is winning, <laughs> and so what happened was he was called Coco because you know he was black, and so being being a black guy on a white team, and the the, the teammates you have Gretzky and you have Messier and you have his teammates talking about him and what how he's one of the greatest goalies of all time or is in the conversation of one of the greatest goalies of all time, and then he gets divorced. And his he breaks up with his not only his wife but his agent, and they accuse him of doing cocaine. So the nickname Coco starts to have a second it's a meaning. Whole new meaning. And so he doesn't go by that anymore. So that's why when he came to St. Louis, I, I hadn't heard of the yeah. name Coco because he so after he leaves Edmonton, they get into it. His former agent is in the film. And they talk to him, and the, the ex-wife is not in the film. His kids are, but he admits that he did cocaine in the 80s, but he wasn't a cocaine. He did it recreationally. I know if you're still doing cocaine, you probably have a problem, but if you have enough money, he can he could probably— and he was still—he didn't miss any games. He was still doing his workout regimen every day. And so he says he wasn't like a daily user. He was doing it at parties. And so he was high functioning. He was a high functioning addict. And he said he had stopped doing it because it wasn't, first of all, it wasn't working for him anymore. And he wanted to continue to play professional sports, but they banned him for a year. And so he, because he went in, because he admitted, yeah, I did it. And so they're like, "Uh, we don't have a drug policy. So we're just going to ban you. And the team's like, we'll just, Calmed and he was banned for a year, but it, it lasted a half a season because of good behavior. Because he still went to practice every day. He wasn't allowed to practice. He was he was uh, coaching the other guys how to practice, and so that's how they got around it. But then after Edmonton, he went to a couple teams, and then he came to the St. Louis Blues. And the Blues are well represented here. You have Chris Pronger, you have Brett Hull, Kelly Chase, Fred Brathwaite, who's another African-American goalie that the Blues had. He was tutored by Grant Fuhrer. And they also have a Jerome McGinley, a famous African-American hockey player, that he said he grew up, he played for Calgary, so I guess he's not African-North American. And so he said he grew up idolizing Grant Fuhrer, and it made it, Grant Fuhrer being such a superstar made it easier for him to be a black superstar in hockey, but he was a forward and could score goals. There are two people that are going to be booed by the St. Louis audiences when you see this. And first, we, there is a pre- premiere Tuesday at Ballpark Village. At 7 o'clock. At doors 7 open o'clock. at 6, and uh, Grant Fuhrer will be there, and the Q&A will be conducted by Kelly Chase. Okay. No, Kelly Chase is going to be with Grant Fuhrer, the uh, Q and A is going to be moderated by Darren Pang. Oh, okay, that's right. They, they've Thanks. rescheduled it so so uh, Darren can moderate everything, and so they can also put it on TV. And so, <laughs> TV. Also, um, there will be two people that will be booed by the St. Louis audiences. First will be Mike Keenan, who does not look like Mike Keenan of old. He has doesn't have the mustache anymore. Oh, and he also doesn't have any hair at all either. He is a bald man. He was losing it. Yeah, he, he was, was losing it. Yeah, Even when he was with the Rangers when he was with the Blues, he was not – he's follically challenged. And so now he's gone <laughs> He's gone full dome. As so 
but he's there's no mustache either so he is bald but once you realize it's Mike Keenan the the crowd will boo which is unfortunate because Mike Keenan has a lot of things to say about bringing Grant Fuhr here to St. Louis and then the other person that will boo will be uh, the person that will be booed is Nick Kiprios, who ran into Grant Fuhr after being cross-checked by Chris Pronger, cross-checked to the right, but he fell on Grant Fuhr on his left and tore his ACL, and that's when Grant Fuhr... This was in the playoff run, and so Nick Kiprios will be booed, and he plays it. He's like, hey, it's hockey. I didn't mean... I didn't... I wish I didn't hurt him, but I didn't know when I fell on him, he was, it was going to tear his ACL. It's it's hockey. Right. And Grant's like, hey, man, he, I fell wrong. Right. And so he will, he will get booed. But St. Louis is well represented in the film. And if you are a fan, this is the night before opening night, before they raise the banner. So if you want to come down. Now, the only problem is if the Cardinals shit the bed, which – we hope that they don't do, and we're recording this on Friday. We have no FCC rules. We, but if they do, there's a, <laughs> there's a chance that the Cardinals might be playing a wild card game that sure. night at Bush Stadium. <laughs> so this all might get changed. I yeah, did not realize that. I think it's really neat that you know they incorporate Grant Fuhrer in the film in St. Louis. It makes sense. But a couple of things in being in the sports world, I have not seen the film uh, yet, but. You brought up something about his face and recognizing Grant Fuhr and, you know, right. he was obviously black and played in hockey. Having worked in the sports marketing, sports industry for so long, it's, it's fascinating and maybe I'm just dorking out here a little bit, but the reason NBA players and their studies that show this are more iconic and have more recognizable names you can see their and faces. faces is because if they you're at a helmets. game, there's a thin line of material between them and you as a fan. Mm-hmm. Baseball is second, but but, but baseball stadiums are so faces. huge. They're so huge, but even if you're watching on TV, you right, can you can see, see their, their faces. faces, even with a hat, though. Exactly, hockey is hard to watch. They're right. not zooming and football, in and they're too, moving football's fast. the same. You football, can't tell. It doesn't exist. Uh, Jerry the, Rice could walk in here and we'd probably recognize him, right? But, and Joe Montana, Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner. But those are the highly recognized. Right. They're at. They've got gold jackets, and they're playing in the Hall of Fame. Kyle so Turley walks in. You might not know who he yeah, is. Kyle Turley's got the long hair and the tats. Okay. You might recognize him. Right. You might rip um, your helmet let's off. Let's see. Throw Todd, it. Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley could be one of those situations where you may not recognize And he's him. a superstar. Exactly. Yeah, I think that, if that they don't have their names that on the back. level <laughs> player in some of those sports, you mm-hmm. don't recognize. So that's a fascinating thing for you know maybe the audience to think about why, yes, he's a very uh, successful and famous hockey player, Um it's interesting in terms of the difference between, say, Jackie Robinson. You could tell he right. was a black baseball player when he hit the field from yes. the upper deck, right? Whereas in hockey, you're completely covered up. So it's an right. interesting dynamic when you look at sports across the board. And then second, you brought up uh, maybe his recreational yes. habits. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to know a lot of former uh, NFL players mm-hmm. and former athletes I would liken it to much of anything. You know, you think of airlines. You have money. You don't know what to do with the money. Well, the money, but also just the industry, right? Everything's safer now. We're double. You can't smoke on the sidewalk. You can't mm-hmm. smoke in these places. You used to be able to smoke on airplanes. Right. And, There's and, images and of... And you'd go in the back, and they, there was a smoking section. You're in a tube. Right. <laughs> so if you think about that, teams flew places. Right. I've heard some stories about some airplanes mm-hmm. and, and trips and things of that nature. So... Um, I'm not surprised by hearing that. Mm-hmm. I, I look forward to seeing it in the film. But hockey players are notoriously known for being um, recreational. Recreational and just maybe it's the rebound effect. They're able to just – I was just listening to uh, a podcast the morning after the show here yeah. locally in St. Louis, and, and uh, I love those guys. I still listen to the podcast in, in L.A., and Cam Jansen was on, and he, t- you know, he was kind of mm-hmm. – Taking a peek under the hood a little bit about, you know, yeah, we'd have open skate, be done at noon, go to sushi, and then go but to see, a bar, and then go to dinner for steak, and then see, we'd go out why, to three and skate at 10 the next morning, and he's like, we were really good, I could just do it. So. Everyone talks about Brett Hall and his, uh, uh, let's see. Stanley Cup antics. Sure, yes. <laughs> let's, let's, let's say it that way, but he always used to drink like that, but he would just, the next morning at morning skate, he would skate all that out of his system by the time that there was a game. So, I wrote a story in Clayton. We're getting a little off track, and you can blame me. 
I've heard this story through the years. This is years ago when I was living in Soulard and we'd go to Cardinal games and new people and Clayton and this and that. But I heard a, a, an age-old story where four guys were sitting at a bar in Clayton. Chris Carpenter, Adam Wainwright, when Wainwright was a closer. Okay. Remember yeah, so early. Was a closer yeah. Years and years in ago. In the uh, 2006 World Series, he closed yes. that game. Yes, and this was told via waitress, server at some lounge. There's four guys sitting at the table evening and um they had a pitcher of beer and they brought out another pitcher shots or whatever and as the story goes uh don't you got a pitch tomorrow wainwright <laughs> said oh guys i can't do that i'm I, I didn't pitch today i didn't you know there's a good chance out if we're winning i'm going to come in in the ninth i got a pitch tomorrow you know it was a one o'clock start mm-hmm. And as the story goes, Chris Carpenter slammed his beer, took his shot, and looked at him and said, I'm starting. Fuck you. I start, I'm starting tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see that. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, the, the hockey team, I think people were, that weren't familiar with athletes were rather shocked at the parade. and Where the, the players uh, got drunk because they were excited. They yeah, were right. and, and they were having – and it was a very long day, and it, it was, was long. It was a long day, and it and, rained in the morning. And and, and it was uh, that whole stage thing. and then But then at that one bar where they hang out where you guys would Obie go. Clark's. Yeah, yeah, that was a big thing, and people were actually – but hockey players just were more approachable also. Right with the fans at that time but yeah people are celebrating and i'm sure the cardinals remember when those guys were drinking so much and then they got in the car accident Uh and everything and then that kind of changed things it's different now more sure i remember 2011 cardinals won the world series 11 and 11 they were they came to a rams home game and brought the trophy and were recognized pregame and right uh, you know, a noon kickoff in St. Louis. Let's just say they weren't yeah. all on time or <laughs> able to walk right, right down the 50-yard line, if you will. So, so wait a minute. That would have – okay. But so they all yeah, deserve it. Yeah, but know. it would have been uh, – November, we would have been, had a home game. Yeah, yeah. They're the That's the pinnacle of their careers. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, you know, they deserve see, to that's celebrate. W- that's why uh, Chris Carpenter can't pitch anymore because he won that for us in 11. Ruined his arm. Uh, we have um, – uh, okay, so the hockey doc – is going to be released at the six Marcus Theaters Mm -hmm. in town October 4th, so next week. So So if you don't make it to the premiere, you can still see it. Right. Right. And then also, I'm sure it'll be, you know, docs land on streaming services real fast. I'm guessing that this will be shown on NHL Network a lot. It's only an hour and 15 minutes, so it will be be two hours with lots of commercials. Mm. Sounds fantastic with a lot of uh, legends and teammates Mm -hmm. that will, And he is... Arguably one team. of the greatest goalies of all time. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So, and then next week we don't have any screenings, Carl. <sighs> Joker. Joker's coming out, but it's so controversial and everything. They're not showing it to us. The beforehand. army. The army is yeah. giving uh, I heard that headline. What? I mean, I guess that's. Yeah. Well, the what happened was the the victims of the Aurora, Colorado shooting during the dark was night. Was a Batman. Uh, it rises. Was um, no, it was Dark Knight. Yeah, it was the dark, dark Knight, Knight Rises. rises. Um, the, the bad they one. they wrote uh, the parents and of the victims wrote Warner Brothers a letter. Okay, and that's how it started. That's how it all. The, the, uh, and Warner Brothers has broken their silence on it today. There's an article in uh, Entertainment Weekly. We wrote a letter to them. Yes, we, our critics group wrote a letter because they're not letting us see it. But apparently, not even the New York critics are getting it. So we, we thought at first we yeah, were but it filmed it. You know, it screened at TIFF. Yeah. I know. So we don't know what's going on, but it's got a lot of controversy, and apparently there's um, there's a scene that's causing a lot of controversy, so we don't know what's going on. But anyway, the Joker opens October 4th, but your St. Louis film critics will not give their opinion on that it. That doesn't mean that we won't see it. Right. But we just won't maybe be timely with it. And then, um, I don't well, I know. I have a hockey game on Wednesday and then a hockey game again on Saturday, so I might see it Thursday night. So that's what, but on DVD, we got some good ones. Kyle, did you see the movie yesterday about the Beatles disappearing in an alternate universe? And, and uh, it's really good. You there is a see gasping it. moment. Yes, I enjoyed it. If you're, because I know your parents are big Beatles I'm fans. I'm a big Beatles fan. I had the, I, I've, I've been to the theater and had the luxury of sitting in Abbey Road Studios and mm. sitting in the same pianos that. And it's 50. Recorded. The album yeah. is 50. This week. 
Yeah, that's what. Yeah, it's isn't that amazing? That's wild. But I'm a big Beatles fan. I will definitely see. Enjoy yeah, it. Now, yesterday it's on except, uh, streaming or you know a red box. Sure. They keep saying, "Oh, it's the last bet. It's the last album the Beatles recorded." Yet not the last album the Beatles released. Cause right, because they Cause had let, let it, it be. be in the can because right. they were waiting for the movie for that. So like, let's let's release this. Then so yeah. yeah. It is. It's just, it's the, the 50 year golden anniversaries. So we also have Child's Play, the Chucky movie. Yes, with Mark Hamill as the voice of Chucky. And uh, Aubrey Plaza as a mom. Right. That is mind boggling to me that she's in a mom role. And Shaft. And Shaft, the remake of the remake. Ma- ma- it's, it, <laughs> Shaft. It, it's a. It's not a remake of a remake. It's a reboot of the reboot. Okay. So Samuel L. Jackson did the reboot first, and the original Shaft was in that one. Richard Roundtree was in that one. And now I think Richard Roundtree and Samuel L. Jackson are in this one as well. With so the there son. Are, with There's the, three Shafts. There are three Shafts. And then also the movie Anna with uh, Cillian Murphy and Helen Mirren. Which we did not see. Which was an action suspense movie. And the Pavarotti doc, which I loved. Pavarotti. Or Pavarotti. Pa- 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 yeah. That. I love that movie. And I and Ron Howard directed it. And even if you're not a fan of opera, I think it, it's just fascinating. Because he was the rock star of the opera world. Yeah. And was. it's it's really interesting. And then he teamed with Princess Di on doing, you know, good works. Mm-hmm. And, and he was a colorful dude. Uh, there's a movie called Skin Out, and uh, it was not released in theaters. It stars Jamie Bell as a skinhead. And this is... Wasn't the, this based on a short? Yeah, which won the Oscar. Okay. This year, Skin won the best documentary... No, not, not best, okay. best narrative short. Okay. Live action short. Okay, and they made it into a movie starring uh, Jamie Bell, but it's in, so they didn't release it in theaters. But I do like Jamie Bell. I have a, a soft spot. In, and you liked him in Rocket Man. Yes, I did. And he was Billy Elliot, little Billy Elliot, back in the yeah, day. Yeah, that was fifteen yeah. years ago. I know, but he's done good work. He was in uh, Snowpiercer and in um, Rocket Man. Rocket Man. He was really good as Bernie Topin in yes. Rocket Man. Okay, so the movies this week celebrating anniversaries. I posted this on Facebook on Monday that the Shawshank Redemption was 25 years old. I get a lot of response. People love that movie. Yes, they do. It's like it's the number favorites. one movie on IMDb. Did you? And on every well, local not, cable network yeah well, every yeah. night of the week right did you <laughs> tnt yeah, yeah. and then yeah, they had TNT. fathom events this week and they they, they showed them at the theaters it, yeah. did you weren't you an extra in that movie starring tim robbins called the, um it was at the it was at the yes. airport oh tony pena was or um michael pena my, my, was in it. lucky ones the lucky ones yes you were in so, that movie I maybe I can't see. I, didn't I was. See, I, I didn't see you when no, I saw I, they, it. But he was cut out. They cut me out. Oh, they cut me out the as airport. I was on one of those automated trams in the background. Oh, you know, they okay. Said walk, and I never got paid either. That's yeah, well, a lot of times extras don't get paid. Yeah, but um, you were just happy to be nominated. It was fun. Yeah, you got to see Tim Robbins, though, right? Yes. Didn't and then you? the girl that was in that, Rachel McAdams. Yeah, I saw Rachel McAdams. Ooh. That made it worth it. Yes. Yeah, and wasn't it like an Alton and stuff? It's not yeah, they a good filmed movie. it all. It was it was. I did. I ended up watching the whole thing, and I it was it was not, it was not very good. Yeah, yeah. No, so you're glad movie. to be cut out. I saw him, and I said, "Cut me out." I saw <laughs> it. Well, but when he saw Tim Robbins, he said Andy Dufresne. He like, Aww. Lynn, you remember everything. I Gosh, I did. I see. Uh, it was you below said Andy the Dufresne? like baggage carrier. They like were herding us like cats and. I remember I said, Mr. Dufresne, and he kind of went. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I got work to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the first time I've heard that, moron. And Alien <laughs> is 20 years old. Oh, Remember, wow. see, I, I was at the, the theater seeing this. The original one with Jonesy the Cat. Yeah, I was watching it at the BAC Cinema in uh, when it, it was, I was released. I was eight years old, so I was mm-hmm. not allowed to see it. But I did read... I guess it would be a graphic novel then. I got, I read the comic adaptation of Alien, and then I saw, I finally got to see Alien before Aliens came out, because you wanted to see the first one before that. But I had read the comic book adaptation, 
the graphic novel. So I knew everything that happened. So when I saw it, it wasn't as scary to me as it was because, first of all, you should not let an eight-year-old child watch Alien. No, especially when things are coming out of people's uh, stomachs. Well, no, not that. It's just uh, the cre- as the crew gets picked off one by one. I mean, it is gruesome. it is a great slow burn movie, and each Alien movie is different than the rest. Well, I when I first saw it, I didn't know who Sigourney Weaver was. I knew who Tom... Uh, Walking around in her underwear. Yeah, I knew Tom Skerritt was. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't know who John Hurt was. John Hurt. Uh, anyway, but to watch that movie was like, I had never seen anything like it. No. It was... The first one is a slow thriller suspense movie. The second one's an action movie. And the third one's a prison movie. <laughs> Yeah, so creepy though. And then the tagline was "In space, no, no one can hear you scream," yeah. oh, which was charming. pretty brilliant. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who Ridley Scott was. It was just one of those bursts where you just remember that, like, this is. It was a game changer. Right. But you know, back I was like what twenty four, so I, was, I didn't know I was eight. game changer. <laughs> so yeah, so that so then uh, that's the. Um, that's what's Except going the, on. The Emmys were last weekend, and it was the British takeover of American television. No, Game of Thrones broke its own record, even though, as I told you last week, they'd already won 10. They only won two that night. Yeah. They won all the technical awards the week before. So they still set a record with 12 and uh, winning. Uh, did they tie how uh, number of uh, series wins? It, it doesn't Richard matter. Dink- uh, I mean, Peter Dinklage did break a record for most wins playing the same ca- a character. Okay. Yeah, in that. So that was pretty cool. But you could tell that they were nervous because they, when they announced the nominees, and it was always some shocked person that upset them that they didn't think. That, and you could tell on the person's face that they were like, Oh, I, I thought Game of Thrones right. was going to win. Oh, when, so that was when good. When Fleabag beat yeah. Veep? Well, that was pretty big, too. But uh, I understand, and I haven't had time to watch it. After I move to Soulard in October, mm-hmm. I'm going to sit down and watch Fleabag. But I hear it's wonderful, and that it's just cleaned up. It's only two seasons, and it's over. Yeah, and, and right. they cleaned up. I mean, but she signed a big deal with Amazon. Yes, and the Amazon uh, director of content says, oh, I keep asking her to make a third one, and she's like, I've done that. I want to tell new stories. And uh, for local, Ozark came up pretty big. Yeah, his reaction was kind of similar. Yeah, Jason well, he, he went for That was like the first time he directed it. Right. Yeah, and the... And, uh, and the no, he directed that movie, remember? Yeah, he right. did. The, Fun fact, I, when I saw Letterman in person, the show, he was a guest. Oh, oh nice. wow. And was, he was, was he, just as pleasant, as, as nice as you think Jason Bateman is. You're lucky I saw Christina Aguilera. Ugh. I I went three times. I saw Sigourney Weaver once. I saw. Is she tall? I don't know. I was in the balcony. She always looks tall. Right. Uh, I saw Evangeline Lilly and Al Franken were the top main guests of the three times that I went. I went once in the 90s, once in the 2000s, and once in the teens. My cousin Matt, who's always been fond of Tim, he's uh, my older cousin. I have two sisters. He's like my brother. He was on a plane somewhere and met an executive producer for Jimmy Kimmel. So mm. I've gotten to know him and have had the chance to oh, cause you're out sneak in, LA. in there. Yeah. And so that just to see the behind the scenes and how that goes on and everything. But, uh, only time I've actually sat in the audience for a show was the night Jimmy's son had returned oh, after oh. his heart surgery. Oh man. That, that was a that emotional tugged at the heartstrings and now, he brought they, him out and everything. It was, do fantastic. they still do it at eight 30? No. So they could be live. Well, no, isn't it Jimmy Kimmel live? And it's well, it's live East Coast time. Yeah. So, so yeah, if they yeah, do, LA they time, do it at eight thirty. Yeah, yeah, it's five o'clock. I okay. think. Yeah. Well, uh, Jimmy's. So, wait big a minute, f- no. If they if they do it at five, that's eight Eastern. I know, but it's it airs at ten thirty live. It's not live, but okay. If, Maybe they took the live, live off. Live to tape. To, yeah. Yeah, hmm. Jimmy Kimmel was a big fan of Letterman. He yes. credits Absolutely. Letterman, and so um, and Howard Stern. Yeah, fun yeah. fact about uh, Evangeline Lilly. When Tim was an intern at Sesame Street, he walked her to the stage. Oh, nice. And I said... Was she lost? And I uh, said, did you uh, say you were a big fan of Lost? And this is Tim's exact words to me. I thought it would be cooler if I didn't. Oh. 
You can hear on when she's on Letterman, she was promoting a brand of lingerie that she had her name on, and she's like, "I'm wearing it now," and you can hear me in the audience audibly go, "Woo!" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That's why they mic the audience. Yeah, and I was the first one. Then the whole crowd laughed. Sure, that was me. So I, um, I love those little tidbit stories. He's got one about Larry David that he's going to share, right? You're going to yeah, tell your no, Larry well, David. Linda uh, invited me to come on, and I said, "I don't." You, again, you've forgotten more about movies than I know. But I, my wife and I, in L.A., we live in Woodland Hills, um, as I said earlier. Now we, I need now just give the address and the zip code. Yeah, um, my social security number and <laughs> everything else. But the. It was a morning she had worked. She's in the medical field. She worked a night shift. I. It was voting day. Vote. I don't know why. Re- it was so. It was a day. Tuesday. I believe so. Yeah. In November. Tuesday. November. Unless it was a primary. And yes, thank you. And she worked night shift. Came home. I said I'll go into work late. We go and vote. Let's go to breakfast. So we go to breakfast on Ventura Boulevard. Ooh. And Ventura. we're driving down Ventura Boulevard. I believe it was after we ate, and it's like, oh. There's a production going on, and honestly, living in L.A. now, it happens all the time. Everywhere uh, across the street from where we live was an was a beauty school. It closed uh, two years ago, and every other month, there's trailers in the back lot, and there's a production going on. Obviously, abandoned buildings or mm-hmm. someone that's trying to sell that they open it up for movies and probably get you know a pretty good penny to let people film there. So we're driving, and Ventura is the longest road of just businesses and i don't know how everybody makes it but we look up and there's a huge production going on i'm like oh there's a movie we kind of got a goofy morning going so we pull over at the next stoplight park the car and just start walking down the street like we're doing nothing and i look up and i go oh shit that's larry it was larry david filming curb your enthusiasm i believe and he was getting money out of an atm oh Hmm. larry from it might have been 20 yards away so a fake atm was it? A, it was a real ATM. Really? It was. I saw Larry do uh, "Fish in the Dark" in New York on Broadway. It was a crime that that was not nominated. And then, right. and then Jason Alexander took over for him when he got off because you know he's George, which is Larry. And we waited by the stage door to get it signed. I was actually I was going when I was going to see Conan before Conan left late night to go do the Tonight Show. No, it was not. It was the last time I saw Letterman. It was. Letterman's 30th last show and we went to go see Larry David on Broadway nice. and we waited by the stage door and he signed my playbill and I left it in the hotel <gasps> oh I love I love Curb Your Enthusiasm to me is the funniest show ever sure, on absolutely. on television and it's coming back but we don't yes. know when so you probably saw one of the yeah, f- future he, we were trying to figure it out and we were like it has to be Something for future just, down Just the ask J.B. Smoove. He'll tell you. Yeah. He, he tells every time. Larry doesn't want him to tell. He said, oh, yeah, it's going to come back in January. Right. A friend of mine is a big uh, Democratic uh, uh, a political, I wouldn't, not a politician, but. Donor? But, uh, no, works in the field. And um, she um, was at the Kennedy Compound Hyannisport for uh, in Massachusetts. Yes, for Rory Kennedy's documentary uh, about Vietnam. They were going to screen it, and they had dinner. She sat right next to Larry David. Nice, really. Yeah. Well, luckily, I took a picture of it to send. Hey, I look! I got uh, Larry David's signature. So I sent that off to everybody, and I'm like, I left it at the hotel. Well, I guess I only have this picture to remember it. And I have a picture, and my friend Mike took a picture of Larry signing it. So I have, I have, the picture of Larry signing it, and a picture of the signed playbill. I have a picture of Jeff uh, uh, Daniels. Daniels signing my program for To Kill a Mockingbird right. when I when I told him the St. Louis story about yes. him being on Letterman right. talking about going to Six Flags, and he just looked at me like. How'd you like, remember how that? How did you remember the that? The exact like, same goes, thing Kyle he, said a couple minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, he goes, right. he goes, I did. Wow. And it was it was great because it was a good thing to say because a girl before me was a big fan of mm-hmm. Newsroom and she was getting all fangirly and everything. And he goes, watch West Wing. You know, because she <laughs> said, I watched it three times. He goes, watch West Wing, you know. And, so, right. and he was saying something and then he was coming right to me. And so I just popped up with the St. Louis thing. Well, that's great. You know. The, 
uh, it was either New Yorker or Vulture just had a, or maybe it was Splinter. One of them had an article. Let's not remember the newsroom was awful. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It was, you know, from somebody who's in news. Yeah, but it was. It was Aaron Sorkin working all those things out. But Jeff Daniels did beat. John Hamm that won uh, Emmy when it was uh, Brian Cranston wasn't nominated for Breaking Bad because right. it was the this was it was going to be it was going to be uh, John Hamm's year to win yeah because he and, never won right and then it was and Jeff Daniels was really good in that opening monologue of the newsroom yes. and that's what he won for and everybody was so shocked and I think it I just like when that thing is getting back to Emmy speeches there were two really good ones <laughs> and I'm going to share Alex Borenstein. Yeah. From the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and from Family Guy, and yes, she's Lois's voice. <laughs> yes. She said that her grandmother was in line to be shot in a pit mm. uh, for, during the Holocaust, Arizona. and she said to the guard, uh, "What happens if I step out of line?" He goes, "Well, I don't have the heart to shoot you, but somebody will." And she stepped out of line, and so her granddaughter was on the Emmy stage, winning Emmy, and said, "Girls, ladies, step out of line." That was fantastic. It was. It was so good. And then Michelle Williams's speech, because oh god, if she wasn't going to win for it, playing Gwen Verdon and Fosse Verdon. I was just going to be really upset. But she won, and she talked about the equal pay. Right. Because she got screwed out of that movie that they, Mark Wahlberg. Yes, it was the one where they cut out Kevin Spacey. Right. Christopher uh, Plummer got Oscar mm-hmm. nominated. It was about the Gettys. Yeah. So that's what I want to mention. And this week, uh, Saturday Night Live opens for its 45th season, and Woody Harrelson is the host. And uh, Billie you- Eilish. Do you think they have some material to open the show with this week? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And I guess Larry will be back as Bernie, don't Maybe. you think? Yeah. Well, it, it all depends whether. Well, I don't think I don't think they need Trump this week. So I don't know if Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin keeps saying that he's not going to do it anymore. But they don't need him this week. No. And if they have Jason Sudeikis as Biden, right? This is just awesome. Thing. So yeah, and poor Kate McKinnon, she's playing like all the women, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, she's played she's played Elizabeth Warren before, and Hillary, and yeah, she's played all yeah, um, and Rudy Giuliani. Yes, that was the. Yeah, other but one. you don't need yeah, you don't need <laughs> Hillary on Saturday Night Live no. anymore because no, she's not running anymore. Right. No. All right, we need okay. to wrap it up. Yes. I need to go down to the stadium. It's a big weekend for sports fans. Thanks, Kyle, for being here and for helping with Tim's movie. We have about 40 people helping. It's going to be great. I helped. You did. Carl's our sound engineer for the voiceover remotes. Oh, Love it. I did. I And I. she's like, hey, I need you to sound like you're on a uh, an old-timey voicemail recording, cassette recorder. And I said, okay. And so I sent it to her, and she's like, you made it sound like you were on a cassette. And I said, that's what you asked me to do. <laughs> I was uh, asked to be a production manager, and I said, that's what, is what, that, what does do. that mean? <laughs> she said, uh, just get everybody in line, get it, get it all rocking around. Go get two goldfish. Right, I'm going to head from here to go get two <laughs> goldfish, and I have my whistle too, Lynn. So. Oh. Awesome. I told Derek yeah, you have one. Yeah, they're going to make sure people don't uh, run in the shot. People are silent. People are... Um, those boom mics can pick up anything. And uh, just keep people in line. They got to check in everything. Derek works with kids all the time, and you are a sports guy. So um, I think uh, well, it's, it's going to be a good weekend to honor your son. Yeah. I hope so. We're and looking yeah, forward We're going to make some magic. It could be epic. It will be. Yes. Lynn, you can be found everywhere. Yes, timesnewspapers.com, and then I'll be on KTRS every Thursday with Ray and Jay, usually about 10.30, 10.40, and uh, we are here, and uh, I'm on the socials. You can find me this weekend. There is a Max on Movies. You can hear it on KTRS this weekend, and you can also hear me on the Entercom family of radio stations like KMOX, uh, KY, KY, Y98, or KZK, or every... Saturday afternoon on the Weekend Report on FM Talk KFTK. And you can find me on the Twitters and the Instagrams at underscore Carl the Intern. Bye, everybody. Thanks for, Thanks listening. for listening. Oh, my gosh. We did it in Thank less you. than an hour. Yeah. Woo. Good night. Go Blues. Yeah. And we talked sports, too, which is good. I'm glad you did that because you were here. Um, <laughs> a couple times I was like, I don't know what you guys are talking well, about. Well, that's okay. okay.